the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Yes, hello, it is the Nick D Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, and I am your host, Nick DeGilio. Hello, welcome to episode number 62 of the Nick D Podcast. Hope everyone is well. Uh, man, uh, 62 uh, episodes. My thanks to Jason Skaggs, he's the guy who does all the themes and the songs and the funny stuff and the cool stuff, um, and he introduces me uh, on every episode as well. My thanks to Jason Skaggs, he's the best, man. Great guy. Used to work with him at the car wash. Does amazing work. Does all the themes and music. More new stuff coming from him. He's uh, down in Houston hanging out. Check him out on Facebook and Patreon. My thanks to him. My thanks to everybody at RadioMisfits.com. Check out RadioMisfits.com. In addition to my podcast, there are dozens and dozens of other amazing, varied, incredible podcasts available at RadioMisfits.com. And I'm proud and happy to be a part of it. My thanks to Ed uh, for doing all the work uh, on, uh, on all of the episodes. And hey, listen, if you want to be a part of this podcast, if you want to be part of Radio Misfits, you can. Uh, we would love you to be a sponsor. We would love you to advertise on our podcast. Our podcast reaches a lot of people, and you will reach a lot of people. So if you're interested in advertising or being a sponsor, contact us right now. Get here. Get your business on this podcast. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Say, hey, I want to advertise on the Nick D Podcast today. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. On the simpler of levels, if you just want to be a part of the podcast, if you're a listener, if you're a subscriber, and you just want to leave your thoughts, uh, leave a question, uh, leave any kind of contribution, uh, the phone lines, the voicemail lines are open 24-7. You can leave a message anytime you want, and we encourage it. Leave your voicemail messages at 773-417-6948. Leave your emails with questions, comments, any kind of contribution, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Again, leave those voicemails and those emails anytime, anywhere, anytime, 773-417-6948. Emails, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. All right, it is a Tuesday. That means my dad's going to tell a joke because every Tuesday on the podcast, my dad stops by the apartment, bangs on the door, kicks Carrie Russell out of the way. Oh, I'm sorry, Hi, Carrie. I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. My dad will tell a joke. My dad is 80. He'll be 81 in like two weeks. And he tells jokes uh, all the time, has been doing it his whole life. So we share those jokes when my dad stops by and tells a joke. So Nick's dad tells a joke is coming up. Uh, my first guest in the, the next segment here, uh, actually it should be guests, are the Manson brothers. Chris and Mike are a couple of uh, really insanely funny and talented dudes who uh, are ex-pro wrestlers who now make movies. And they made a terrific film called uh, the, the, the Manson Brothers present the Midnight Zombie Massacre. 
And I've seen it, and it's great, and it's available. We'll talk all about that. We'll talk about their years as pro wrestlers, and now they're making movies. I met them at the Flashback Horror Convention, the Flashback Weekend Horror Convention, and we get along famously. They're unbelievably entertaining, unbelievably funny, and filled with great, great stories. So the Manson brothers are going to be with us uh, to talk all things, their movies, wrestling, all kinds of fun stuff. These guys are incredibly entertaining and a lot of fun, and it's going to be great, and I can't wait to get them in here and get them on the show, which is just coming up. Then, of course, Esmeralda Leon is going to join me she joins me every single episode we hang out we're going to talk about some uh, scary topics from the book are you shitting me and we're going to talk about some crazy neighbor stories everybody has had at least one crazy neighbor in their lives and i'm sure more than that i've had many i know that esmeralda has had some and i'm sure you have and if you have crazy neighbor stories that you want to share to us uh, again leave those voicemails leave those emails with your crazy neighbor stories 773-417-6948 or nickdpodcast at gmail.com what is the craziest neighbor you've ever lived near? I've got a couple of jagoffs who live around me in my building, and I've had crazy neighbors for many, many, many years and many, many stories, and so does Esmeralda. And there are some classic ones that we, uh, that we have here that I've gathered up from the intranets of real neighbor stories where the neighbors are absolutely fucking crazy. So we will talk about crazy neighbors. My dad will tell a joke, and all that's coming up a little bit later on when Esmeralda joins me. And uh, right after I tell you congratulations, my main man, Chris and Mike, the Manson brothers are going to join me for a lot of fun. And that's coming up right after we say, oh, yeah, I just said it, didn't I? Well, again, I'll say it again. Congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. Don't be a jagoff. All right, I am very excited uh, to welcome to the podcast for the very first time a couple of guys I met for the first time uh, last week uh, at the Flashback Weekend Horror Convention. They had made their first appearance at Flashback Weekend the year before, uh, 2021, which was the only year in 20 years that I missed. And of course, they show up on the one year that I'm not there. But then luckily enough, they came back this past year and we finally met. Uh, it's Chris Margatis and Mike Carey, collectively known as the Manson uh, brothers, and they uh, put together a really terrific movie uh, called Midnight Zombie Massacre, which uh, made its debut here in Chicago, and it was uh, featured at the fest last year, and, and they were fantastic in it and around it, and they wrote it. And I want to talk to these guys about their career and their lives, and let me first say hello to, uh, to Chris. Chris, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Nick, for having us on the show, and uh, pleasure to get to meet you at Flashback, and uh... You know, we're, we're just excited to be on here talking with you. This yeah, is I'm great. excited to have you on. And then Mike, Mike Carey. Mike, how are you, sir? One testicle short of a bag of nuts. How are you? Wow, look at that. Hold on. I got this one rigged up. Hold on. I got this rigged up just because I knew you guys were going to be on. So there you go. So uh, we're all set. I got this one, too. In ca- I got this one, too, in case you bomb. You'll be using that one a lot. Wait, just, <laughs> just, just keep your finger on that yeah, one. Yeah, keep your finger on that one. <laughs> and because we're going to be talking about wrestling, I do have one of my favorite sound bites, which is this. I think I broke my ass. So that's going to be uh... <laughs> If I had a nickel. <laughs> well, listen, my um, I think I broke. That's the, You know who that is? Let me play it one no. more time. Maybe listen closely. Wait. See if you can identify who this right. is. Famous, famous, famous dude who for many years people thought he was dead. Here we go. I think I broke my ass. Any ideas? 
Abe Pagoda. Yes! Was it, he is dead. <laughs> well, no, but, but for many years they thought he was dead when he wasn't. <laughs> oh. Remember yeah, they had they, they had a website that was Abe also Pagoda they is, thought he was Italian which he's not I he's guess. not no he's not he's he was not. a Russian yeah I thought he was Italian I thought he's one of us Nick because and the I Godfather imagine because of the Godfather. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can't believe I got that right you did man you, and that, you know what that's Chris, from I gotta tell you I'm impressed you know, you know where that movie is what this is from this no is from, I think oh, I broke my ass that's from uh, <laughs> that's from the clown no it's from Good Burger. With, uh, oh Keenan, my God! Really? Yeah, my with kids Keenan love Thompson. that movie. Yeah, it's one it's of a my great movie. Oh, it's a great oh, movie. It's one of my favorite. It's like, can you call the ambulance? I think I broke my ass. That's uh, one of my favorites. <laughs> so anyway, I figured I'd load that one up too because we're gonna have stories yeah. about you guys breaking your ass uh, a oh, bunch of times. I, I will say this very quickly. My uncle was a, a police officer for 25 years, and I asked him one time at Thanksgiving or something what the most realistic cop show on TV was, and he said Barney Miller, without a doubt. I got to so, tell wow. you, Chris, I got to tell you, man, Barney Miller. Um, uh, when I was over at the WGN and hosted that radio talk show for many years, I would open up the phone lines to the listeners and say, what's the most accurate show of all time in terms of what your job is? And every single cop who called in said Barry, uh, uh, Barney Miller. I'm not kidding. There you go. I can <laughs> tell you what the most inaccurate show of all time is for the when I was a fireman for 15 years. Yep. And I'll tell you the most inaccurate show. Television, the Chicago Fire. I would imagine. <laughs> the only thing I mean, is, those, it's laughably those, bad. Show, those shows are ridiculous, but you know what? They they hire my friends, so I like them. Yeah. No, that, I was on it. I did an episode. I can't bitch. I did an episode yeah. of it, and the people were phenomenal. They were great people. Yeah. You know no, what? I was down at, uh, I was at City Pool on Grand in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, Monday night after flashback, and I don't know the guy's name, but the guy who's the lead in Chicago Fire was down there shooting pool as well. Kenny? Oh. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Everybody was. And know, the other guy plays in Adrian's band. The guy that's the. He's an Australian really? actor, I think. Yeah, he plays in our friend Adrian Pazdar's band. Yeah. They, Adrian Pazdar band. From, from Adrian Pazdar from Near Dark, for Christ's yeah. sake, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. One of also my from our movie, from your movie. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I should have. I should have said that. I should have led with that. God damn it! <laughs> Great I actor. Thanks, I, <laughs> I apologize. Okay. I apologize. Hey, I just uh, want him to get the boost. With, as long with, as people know it's him and where yeah. he's from, and they go out and watch his movies. I mean, that's right. No, I, I apologize. with leading with an Academy Award winning director's movie first i, I apologize <laughs> wait yeah, wait Catherine Bigelow, max, martini, right? yeah. max martini has an academy award. Ah, there it is yeah, there it is oh shit well okay, he well, was in saving private ryan yeah that's that true, true. He's, yes. he's been in a yes. ton of yes. stuff okay. okay let's get into that for a second let's start with how did you guys start okay because you you know um the movie that we'll end up talking about uh, obviously that everybody can check out everywhere and you said it's available everywhere is the midnight it zombie is. massacre that you guys put Correct. together. Let me first go back to how you guys met. Um, and, uh, and that whole origin story for real. And then we'll get into how the Manson brothers were created, but let's talk about, okay. well, Chris, originally, well, are you, are you from here? Are you from Chicago? I'm actually originally, uh, from Peoria, Illinois. Okay. And, um, Richard, Richard Pryor, so- my man. Exactly. Richard Pryor, Sam Kinison, yep. Chris Margettis. Uh, you I know, didn't know Richard Pryor was from Peoria. He, they got a oh, statue yeah, of him in the middle. We got a statue and everything. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. Man. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I, I should say originally I was born uh, in the southern part of the state uh, around St. Louis, but I don't claim that. Okay. Um, and then I migrated when I was like one up to Peoria and then, and then uh, to Chicago later on in life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I... So, quick backstory on everything. My mom and I used to watch um, 
wrestling and uh, we made fun of it. And then we would watch horror movies on Saturdays afterwards when I was like six, seven, eight years old. Uh, we'd watch Sven Gulli. Uh, little did she know, um, God rest, that uh, she was going to, you know, create a create a wrestler and, and horror film uh, guy uh, yeah. going forward. So fast forwarding, um, I used to watch uh, Windy City Wrestling on Sports Channel when I went to Northern Illinois University. And, I, you know, I, they'd always have the ad for the Windy City Wrestling School. And um, I'm pretty sure I saw Mike on TV a few times, but I didn't know it was him, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, never really had the guts to go for the longest time. And then at, I think, age 26 or 27, I finally decided, okay, man, I'm going to do this. And I used to drive two and a half hours each way to go to practice on the weekends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the first time I go in ever, there's a meeting going on. And the first three people I see, I walk in and we had this tag team uh, called, God, what was Al's tag team's name, Mike? Uh, um, they were, was it Bad, bad Influence? Attitude or, or bad, bad Attitude or, or Bad like Influence? That. They were just So this was two of the huge biggest guy. human beings you've ever seen in your life. And I walk in the back door and Al Squire uh, was curling 225 pounds. And I thought oh, to myself, for what reps. in the hell am I doing? <laughs> yeah, for reps. For reps, Jesus. He was. Yeah. And I thought. And his partner was even bigger. Yes, and meaner, way meaner. And meaner, yeah. Oh, he's a yeah. So uh, I go into the meeting. Thankfully, there were many more guys that were kind of my size and that kind of thing. But the first guy I actually talked to after the meeting was Mike. We, you know, we and so I don't even know how we got to talking, but Mike was a very gregarious individual. He hit me up, we started chatting. We had some stuff in common. I was a uh, Muay Thai guy. Mike was obviously one of the best martial artists in the city, uh, mm-hmm. if not the country at the time. Um, and that was that was our first meeting. And then shortly thereafter, by the way, Mike was one of those guys that when I saw him in his gear, I thought, what in the hell am I doing here as well? Because mm-hmm. he was a tag team at the time with a guy named Iron Mike, uh, who, who they looked like, you know, they could go straight to New York and, you know, put the black main event trunks on and, and be the tag team champions of the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so that was my introduction to Mike. And shortly thereafter, he, uh, you know, was leaving to join the fire department. I believe that's the situation was a part was back as part of the brotherhood, which was the Manson family and suggested that they take me on as his replacement. Um, you know, I, I, I left at the opportunity cause I had not been around that long and it was a chance to kind of, you know, insert you myself in the main push. events, et cetera. Yeah. It was an instant push, which was great for great for my career. Um, yeah. And that was, you know, that was kind of the Genesis of our, of yeah. our meeting and our and our mutual Mansonness, I became Stone Manson after being Chris Stone, and uh, he was always Skull Manson. So there you go. That was the well, beginning. Mike, yeah. your your beginnings in wrestling. How'd that happen for you? Uh, so my beginnings in wrestling are not too dissimilar. Um, I remember watching Bob Luce wrestling when sure, I was a man. kid. Me too. And loving Ben's Dick Auto Sales, baby. Ben's yeah, Auto Ben's Auto Sales. Auto Sales. <laughs> Dick the Bruiser and Sailor Art Thomas and. I think Superstar Graham would blow yep. through every once in a while. Yep. And Moose Cholak and all of that. And so I got out of the Marine Corps uh, at the very early end uh, of, I'm sorry, the very early part of 1990. So like early February 1990. And our other partner, Joe, um, who was Ripper Manson, who became Ripper Manson, he, he wanted to get into wrestling too. So we had a couple of different, uh, there was a couple of different organizations in the city here at the time. There was Tony the Razor DeVito, 
uh, which I don't remember what his organization was called. And then there was Buddy Roberts from the Freebirds had an organization here that they ran out of, I think, the Gateway Theater in Jefferson Park. Which That's I where I saw The Exorcist the... at eight. Yeah, right. Exactly. Oh. Right. I, I, I saw a bunch of shit there because I, I grew up. In... You're right, buddy. Yeah, yeah my dad. My, Jefferson my dad. Park. Uh, did you really ever go to the Gale yeah, Street Inn? Absolutely, all the yeah. time. Yeah, we, we used to walk there when I was a kid. George Karzis is a good friend of mine, the guy who uh, owns oh, and wow. runs Gale Street it's Inn. Still a great place. Oh, but, uh, any, yeah. So anyway, sounds uh, like a fine we, Greek gentleman. I he is, Sam, man. He is, is man. A very yeah, fine Greek is, gentleman. <laughs> so, and then Sam DeSero was the promoter of Windy City Wrestling, and he actually had the biggest independent promotion in the country at the time. And I remember when I was in the Marines, actually in Japan, um, I picked up a wrestling magazine at one of the uh, shops on the base and had a big expose on Windy City Wrestling. And I saw my friend John Stewart in there. John Stewart and I uh, went to high school together and he was a couple of years older than me. And then I started bouncing at some bars because I was big and I could fight and whatever. And it was an easy way to make money. And what I really wanted to do was go to LA and try and get into the movie business. But I had some family obligations here to take care of. And Joe, our partner, Ryan talked me into, uh, Hey, let's go check out this Windy City wrestling thing. So I went in and talked to Sam, uh, and I joined and because I could, was very comfortable on the mic and I picked up the stuff right away. I started getting kind of a push early on as a way different character. So this was in 1990. And then I wrestled for a couple of years. Joe was doing his thing. I was doing my thing, but we wanted to be a tag team, but they never put us together. Yeah. Well, Sam and I had had kind of a falling out one year and I left for a few months. And here's a, here's a funny story. I was partnered with, Sam DeCero's old partner, uh, John Richmond, who wrestled under the names of Mad Max and then Eli the Eliminator, most famously in World Class Championship Wrestling and in in, uh, uh, UWF. And he was down in Memphis and he and I were wrestling together and he said, hey, uh, I told Lawler about you. Why don't you come down here? Uh, He wants to put us in a six man tag thing with this new guy. Uh, He's kind of green, but I think he's going to be really good. His name's Steve Austin. Oh, man. And I was like, so, so I was like, nah, I'll just, I'll just stay up here. (laughs) You know, I get something going. Oh, wait, hold on. Hold on. I'm sorry, Mike. One second. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Go ahead. Right. Couldn't have done it better myself. Precisely. Right. One of Mike Carey's many, many, many blunders uh so uh anyway i went back to sam and he wanted me to come back because they had lost a bunch of people and they needed you know guys with experience and headliner guys and i was a headliner at the time so i said okay but here's the deal i want to be a tag team with joe and we got to do our own thing and he's like whatever you want carte blanche so uh in that we were trying to think of a name for the tag team and i didn't want to be a name the you know yeah. Rum runners or whatever. I wanted to have a name where the, the names of the guys that they were two brothers. And I had a really long hair and a beard at the time. And somebody said to me, you look like you look maniacal, like Charles Manson on steroids. And I was like, well, that's a that's a name when people hear it, they instantly like hate it. Yeah. So it really didn't have much to do with Charles Manson, to be quite honest with you. It's just that the sound of it sounded like a villainous tag team. So I said, all right, we're going to be the Manson brothers. And he became Ripper Manson and I was Skull Manson. And we did, we got 
we put over right away and got over great with the crowd. And so we, we did that for a few years. Then we started doing a six-man tag. I got on the fire department, I think, in 1995, so I was still wrestling. And then in 97, I started to get like, okay, this isn't really going anywhere for me. After seven years, I had, we had a couple opportunities to go to Japan and then try and get to New York. We had an opportunity. I had an opportunity with John Richmond to get into NWA at the time. And for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. And I was like, okay, I had a baby on the way. I had a, you know, and my wife at the time was like, oh, you need to get a regular job. So I got lucky and I got on the fire department. So Mike, Iron Mike and I were doing this tag team thing, but I knew I was kind of leaving. And so that's when I met Chris and a bunch of new guys had started, but he was kind of the only guy that had size on him that I thought, okay. And I saw him like working out a little bit. I'm like, okay, he keeps picking this up real quick. You know, yeah. it was pretty obvious. Yeah. And so we, I just sat down next to him and started talking to him because the other guys who were veterans in the, in the organization, especially at that time, because they were given such a hard time when they came in, they would give the new guys a really hard time. And I'd never been about that. You know, after being in the Marine Corps and all this shit, I, that, none of that crap phased me. I always thought it was juvenile. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I struck up a conversation with him and he like a super nice guy. And I'm like, he really had a good attitude. So I told uh, Joe and Sam, I'm like, Hey, I'm leaving, but you know, you ought to consider this guy to be part of the brotherhood. I said, he's, he's going as Chris stone. Now I'm like, just make him stone Manson and be done with it. You know, and then he'll replace me. And that's what happened. So Chris and I, uh, we, <laughs> We're in touch, but not really. I mean, I just knew him from there. And many years later, which I didn't remember until he reminded me, when I got married in 2006, he was at my bachelor party, Joe Brown, my bachelor party. And I was so wrecked that I didn't remember he was there until he reminded me of it, like when we were shooting the movie. But no kidding. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I had it, no clue. It, it was the night before I was moving to California. And I had to convince yeah. my wife, I got to go to Mike's bachelor party. I haven't seen him in forever, blah, 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 blah. And little did I know, he wouldn't remember seeing me for forever. Yeah. That's because uh, I have I a satanic cousin. <laughs> I have a satanic cousin that I'm not a drinker, and Chris will be the first to tell you, and my wife too. And they were just feeding me shots. And I don't, all I remember is dropping in the middle of Rush Street. And like being surrounded by this wall of huge guys that were trying to protect me from the cops. But anyway, that's a story for another time. But years later, I'm sitting in my in my basement with a buddy of mine. We used to watch movies about every, you know, every week or so and heckle these films. And he was the projectionist at the Pickwick Theater in Park Ridge. Sure. And so he brings this movie. He's like, hey, man, these guys screen this low budget horror movie and they left the DVD there and I've got it. The screener. You want to watch it? I'm like, yeah, of course. So we threw it on and it's this Frankenstein movie and I'm watching it and this guy comes on screen and I'm like, fuck man, that guy looks familiar to me. And uh, I'm telling my friend, Jerry, I'm like, Jerry, I know this guy. And he's like, oh yeah, Mike, you know everybody, you know, because I was, I was acting at the time and had been on a few shows and whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, no man. I'm like, that's my friend, Chris from wrestling. I'm telling you, he looked kind of different. His hair was short and he had shaved his beard and he had lost some weight, but I was pretty certain it was him. So I text him. I'm like, Hey man, I got a weird question for you. Are you in a Frankenstein movie? And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, shit, I'm watching it right now. He's like, what do you think? I'm like, it's crap, but you're really good in it. Yeah. Um, and it's so called, anyway, by the way, for people who are interested, it's called Frankenstein Day of the Beast. Yeah, it's actually worth a watch. I kind of, I liked it to be quite honest with you. But um, 
so anyway, that got us back in touch. And so like, I think a year or two later, I was going out to LA uh, to visit uh, some uh, my friend, Max Martini, who wound up directing our movie. He and I had done a TV show here in Chicago together and had struck up a pretty good friendship and a couple of Marine friends of mine. And so I knew he was out there. So we got together and I actually had had another script I was trying to get interest in to make, but it was a drama. And he, Chris, tells me, man, you know, you're going to have a hard time with that because it's a drama. He's like, you, you know, you want to get funding. You got to have an alien in it or a vampire or a zombie or something like that. And I was like, oh, man. But he wasn't the first person to tell me that either. But that kind of struck a chord with me. And I was like, man, I, I can't write anything scary. Like, I love horror movies, man. I'm really, I love them. I, I've probably owned 600 of them. But I, I wouldn't know how to write a scary movie to save my life. But I was sitting in my hotel room after my plane got canceled. I was in L.A. just doing nothing. And I had an idea. And I called him up. And I said, all right, I got an idea. I said, but here's the, the hook is you have to do it with me. And no matter how ludicrous it is, we have to play it straight. And he's like, I'm in. Okay. So then I went back home and I, about a couple months, it took me, I wrote the first draft of the skeleton that became the Manson brothers, midnight zombie massacre. And then he and I started developing it from there. So over the next year, we developed this script based on our former wrestling personas, stone and skull Manson. And uh, it just kind of took off from there. And then as fate would have it, right when we were going to shoot the thing, we had to rewrite the entire script. <laughs> in about a day and a half, which was a chore. Yeah, uh, but that's another story. Yeah, you guys, you guys were telling Chris, you were telling me about that uh, about rewrites and stuff that were thrown at you, like on certain days that have to be done by the next day. You were telling me about that at flashback, and I was just like, wow. you know, it's it, it's it's amazing in that um, you the amount of time that you put into developing your script, and then you go to shoot it. The number of times you'll rewrite something within you know the three weeks you're doing pre-production or the four weeks and then literally yeah. on the day of you know we would get an email and i don't i, I never sleep anyway so you know i we'd, we'd be in bed at one i'd be up by four yeah. you know one or two four or five and i'd have an email waiting for me uh hey we need to doctor around blah 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 so we'd literally be sitting there at the table hacking away before we'd get in the car and drive to set you know and, and there'd be sides waiting for us when we got there it, it was i mean we we literally rewrote the entire script what four weeks before we went to shoot because oh yeah we went from Chicago Not to New more. Mexico. And so we, we, you know, we had to adjust that entire thing. Um, I think I told you the story about how, you know, I'm sitting in my office in Albuquerque one day in pre-production and our producer, Mike Haggerty, uh, he's sticking, we're the last two people in the office. It's five 30. I got nowhere to go. You know, I'm in, I'm in Albuquerque, New Mexico all by myself. He sticks his head in the door and he's like, Hey, uh, you ready for the weekend? I was like, Oh Yeah. Um, hey, just to let you know, we're $400,000 over budget and we need to lose 27 pages by Monday. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? So it was, it was all weekend, you know, with a, with yeah. a, with a red pen, just hacking yeah. and slashing. And for people, and, for people who don't know, 27 pages is a fucking lot. Oh, it's, that's a lot. Know, that's a third of the movie. It was a quarter. I was going to say it was a quarter of the movie at the time. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then it went down to, yeah. And there was some really important, you know, stuff in there as, as to the plot. So it's almost like, you know, when, when you write software and you have to remove something, you, you, you don't just take it out. You have to go back and regression test against all the stuff before it. So it's not just like you can pull the stuff out. You have to go back and make sure that everything else makes sense 
from what you pulled out. So, it, yeah. so it's a it's a really long, painstaking process. But you know, looking back, it, it, it was actually really valuable too. I mean, the learning experience of making a film is—it's like it's like no other thing I've ever been a part of. Yeah. Honestly, you, you know, so I mean, that was the trick, man. The trick—the trick isn't cutting the stuff out because. But how many times have you seen a film where you're like, where it suffers from so many edits where they didn't, you know, fix the continuity so it made sense? Because right. Every, especially yeah. with the way we write, we write it. You know, I like I like to call it in a circle, so everything sort of comes back. You know what? The, what we write at the beginning comes back at the end or in the middle. It, it, the, the things always come back around to make sense later. We plant these seeds and then they grow later on. So every time we had to do that, we had to go back in and like cut, either cut something else out or build something else up so that it yeah. was coherent. Yeah. And man, we were. I think doing at the end of the day, it made fly. us better, though. Honestly. Oh I yeah, a hundred percent. Big education. So. Sometimes those challenges really, you know, you do end up learning. Uh, from from those oh, things, yeah. there's no question about it. What's the we uh, learned a lot. Tell me a little bit about the about the uh, the relationship between Stone and Skull and how that whole thing started. And and, uh, and I mean, I've seen the film and I've seen you guys do you know the the Stone and Skull. I mean, it's a it's a hilarious couple of dudes. And and the and the byplay between you guys is is pretty great. Um, did that all fall together? The characters did that sort of uh, the, the the vibe that you guys have between you, the two characters. Did that happen naturally? Was how did it, that how, how did that happen? I think it. So about a month before we went out to New Mexico, we had a a very good friend of mine who's one of the best actors in the city, Kurt Nabig. He was my acting coach. He's from uh, Chicago Acting Studio or Actor Studio Chicago and Hubbard. And he came over to my house and we went through the entire script and Chris and I and Kurt acted it out. And he was giving us sort of uh, character building points. So originally the way that we had it written was that the, the brothers were pretty closer to personality than how they are now. So originally my character was still sort of a dummy but he was more curmudgeon and Chris's character was more lighthearted a little bit. And as that took shape, we figured out that it worked better if he was sort of like a more depraved, uh, funny Dean Martin. And I was more like a, a, a more tough Jerry Lewis. That's how it plays and, too, guys. That's, that's, right. that's totally <laughs> yeah. how it plays. And, and well, I mean that in you. a great way. Jerry Lewis is Jerry Lewis is one of my comedy heroes man uh, yeah and uh, the problem with that team was though that dean martin stood on his own as an actor but dean martin was a really funny guy and they wouldn't let him be funny yeah and we wanted to say well you know stone is funny too so yeah. as much as that's just like me nick I, mike gets all the funny parts and i get all the straight guy parts you know, <laughs> right. so. and that's right. not true it's the way, it's the way it works you have some of the best I, lines in the film I, man <laughs> I, I got to say this too. I'm gonna. I, I got to give credit to Max on that also because, um, and and Mike's you know exactly right. We were much more similar in the original you know version of the story, yeah. Uh, than we turn out to be, and I think you know Max was really adamant about kind of leaning into the comedy elements of, of what was there, because it was never really a quote unquote you know comedy. It was there were there were parts that were funny because of the dialogue was you know locker roomy humor et cetera. 
But we weren't really leaning into that, but we kept getting a lot of feedback from people like, man, I was laughing my ass off when I was reading this thing, you know? So, yeah. so, yeah. so then finally we were like, maybe hey, we it. should pull the pin on that grenade. Yeah. And I think he really created that divide in a good way, I mean, between the two characters that I think, and, and, and again, to his credit, of all the rehearsals that we did, those scenes that you see, I think that people think are the funniest are the ones yeah. that we rehearsed by far the most, you know, to make sure that we, but I, I think Mike and I have a very, you know, kind of natural cadence and timing anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but it really helped to do that. Yeah. Where we, you know, well, to get super right. once, once we figured out who the guys were, yeah, it, it yeah. really clicked. Yeah. So now it, he and I can go in and out of these characters. Oh yeah. And you guys, I mean, all weekend, all all weekend last weekend, it was just a joy to watch you guys either on stage or at your table or just walking around because the because that 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 uh, chemistry that you have as friends and that chemistry that you have as Stone and Skull, it's there all the time, man. And you can slip in and out of it. It's always entertaining. It's always entertaining. The the trick to that is to always agreeing with the other person. So no matter what the other person says, which is, you know, it's a classic. Improv you know, rule, uh, man. Yes, improv and. Improv rule. Yes, right, and. Yes, and. <laughs> is agree, no matter what he says, I never took that I class. agree with him. <laughs> <laughs> and no matter what I say, yeah. he's not going to go, but, no. He's yeah. going to go, By the way, yeah, but here's where you're screwed up. You know? here's, some, here's, some, here's something out of, out of nowhere. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. Uh, you know, Ricky Gervais uh, used to do this show with uh, Warwick Davis. Um and uh shit I can't remember why I can't remember the name of it but Leprechaun anyway Warwick Davis yeah 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 and and oh, it was okay. a it, Ricky Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant wrote it and uh, they appeared as themselves in it and um oh, shit and I can't remember the name of it. but anyway not strictly War- background was no it? no 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 that was extras uh, that was oh, a different extra, one they yeah, did yeah. extras but this one was just about Warwick Davis and working in the in the business and trying to get work and at one point um he goes to Ricky Gervais in the office and he, and he's playing a version of himself. And they're in the office talking, and all of a sudden, <laughs> Liam Neeson comes in. Uh, and, and That's just I, funny right there. Well, let me just say <laughs> yeah. this. I'm not, I won't give anything away, but you guys, as soon as we're done with this, you need to go to YouTube, and you need to Google um, uh, Ricky Gervais, Liam Neeson improv. Um, because it's Liam Neeson playing himself, and he walks into Ricky Gervais's office, and he was like, look, I, I want to do some work. I want to do some comedy. And uh, and so Ricky Gervais is forced pretty good, to, by the way. Is for, thank you, thank you very much. He's forced to improvise with Liam Neeson, and the result is the fucking funniest five minutes I've ever seen in my life of them, of Liam Neeson essentially like, uh, why don't you play? He goes, uh, you know, Ricky Gervais is like, okay, look, I'll be a customer, you be a green grocer, and I'll and I'll come in. And uh, so so Liam Neeson is like, okay, let's do some comedy. And so, um, so Ricky Gervais goes, knock, knock, knock. And he opens up the door and, and, and he goes, hello, uh, how are you? And then Liam Neeson goes, I'm sorry, I'm closed. And that's how he starts. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and it just goes on from there. And it's like literally like nine minutes of R- Ricky Gervais and Liam Neeson, <laughs> Ricky Gervais trying to give Liam Neeson a sense of humor, you know, uh, and, and do comedy. <laughs> just trust me on this. Google... Liam Neeson, Ricky Gervais, improv, um, and it's unbelievable. I'm going to do it right afterwards. Those yeah. guys have a leg up, though, because accents automatically make things funnier. Yeah, for, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, for yeah. us, it's 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 an automatic Chicago accents. <laughs> yeah, and I also th- well Chicago accents for sure. I, I I have to kind of shout out back to the whole wrestling thing for that too. I I, I truly think that 
you know, one of the things wrestling teaches you is you, you got to think on your feet and you got to be yeah, ready, yeah. you know, basically. For oh, by the way, I'm sorry. Thing. I'm sorry. One second. It's called Life's Too Short. Yeah. The show is called Life's Too oh, Short. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the show. It's called Life's All Too right. Short. Okay. Get back to you thinking on your feet. You learned that from wrestling. Go well, ahead. Yeah, it's it's a um, you know I, I I don't have any improv improv background or anything like that. Um, I have a very you know Mike and I are very good friends and and you know we talk almost every day. So so that certainly helps everything that we do. And and we'll break into you know some stupid BS like you see in a regular phone conversation. Um, but 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 wrestling really teaches you that you know things go wrong at times and you have to learn how to adapt to them from a, from an entertainment perspective I guess not you know not like a marine perspective where you adapt um, right, right. but I think I, I think that's really helpful when it comes to uh, you know doing anything like that where there's banter involved or um, you know you just kind of not to say it works every time, but you kind of get used to working on the fly. And yeah. That's, uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's, the really stuff that falls on anyway. its face, we don't, we do it so quick that sometimes if the stuff falls dead, the yeah. next thing is funny. So the other thing is already, exactly. it's already gone. And well, that. and also, also, you know, for people who aren't, who, who might not be huge wrestling fans, uh, you know, cutting promos and, and developing characters, that's all, that all works into it, man. And 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 sure. for time. me, what makes it what makes it a full round? One, you know, my favorite wrestlers, my favorite wrestlers of all time, not only you know can can work in the ring really well, make another guy look good, put him over, and take bumps like hell, but they can talk on the mic and make up a character that's funny and entertaining, and that's an important part of wrestling, a hugely important part of wrestling. And you guys know that in spades, you know. Well, oh, that's, that's the that's... to me that was always the larger part of it, right? Because in the ring, so. I'm, I don't remember who told me this. I wish I did. He was an old timer guy. And he said, you, if you, when you go into the ring, you should be able to entertain the entire crowd playing pinochle in the middle of the ring. If you know what you're doing, right? So if you know how to work the crowd, what you're doing in the ring, really, it's sort of irrelevant, but you have to know when to do it. And you have to know what your storyline is. Right. And that gets set up in the interview. So it doesn't matter, you know, like if we're doing some 15-minute match or whatever and we screw up a spot in the middle of the match, nobody knows that, right, but yeah. us. Yeah. But if we screw the entrance up yeah, <laughs> and we yeah, screw yeah, the yeah, finish yeah. up, yeah. that yeah. F's the whole thing, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what's got to be I'll take it. I'd, I'd take it a step further. If you, if you look at the guys who I, I consider to be the most successful wrestlers of all time, uh, Ric Flair, Steve Austin, The Rock, Dusty Rhodes – uh, Hulk Hogan, you know, to a degree. Hyper. I'm not going to sit there and say that they couldn't work, but those guys were punchers and kickers. Yeah. You know, Ric Flair worked the same match every single time he went out. <laughs> Steve Austin, at the height of his talent, he punched and kicked. That was yeah. it. Yeah, and yeah. he could really work. Thing. And Austin is yeah. a, actually a really scientific worker. He just doesn't right. do it anymore after he became you know, stone cold. Dusty Rhodes was elbow, and he threw a drop kick every now and then and stuff like that. The, the point is, is that those guys got themselves over. They didn't need to do a hurricane run off the, you know, yeah. rafters yeah, yeah, to yeah. get over. Yeah. Um, and in my mind, that's created on the microphone. And when you cut a promo and you build that storyline, to me, it's one of the things I think is missing from wrestling these days is you don't have, you know, they, they touched on it in, in a, you know, A&E thing that we were talking about before the show. You, you know, the villains, they, they do the whole thing. And yeah. the villain's all about the personality, right? Yep, yep. Um, that was what uh, Piper was so wildly popular because he was so universally hated for so long. Yeah. 
you know, it, it is, it is truly the, the degrees of separation that, you know, a guy who's kind of on one side of the fence, if he turns, Hey, he's kind of popular, but whatever. Right. But the guy who is hated as can be when he, co- when he goes baby, he's the most beloved and vice versa. Yeah, it's true. You it, know, it's, it I have to, I have to tell you this. I watch wrestling, uh, all the time, uh, as you guys know, I mean, this is how we, and it was so funny meeting you guys last week. I was we, we, we literally, the three of us talked we started talking, and three minutes into the conversation, I said to myself, "How the fuck do I've not known these guys my whole life?" Like I was like, <laughs> like literally, the, I was like, "How are we?" And then we just kept talking, and it was fantastic. And yeah. we talked a lot about wrestling. But I do want to mention that um, my my parents, my father will be eighty one in two weeks. My mom is seventy eight. God bless. Okay. They love wrestling, and they and I watch <laughs> pay, I watch the the pay per views with them all the time. They're not as much. They don't do the AEW as much. I insist that they do because it's. I think right now it's the better product. But I would agree with that. And I don't and, watch and, it a lot yeah. anymore. And and I you know and I insist that they do. And so they watch it every once in a while on Wednesday. But they're big into, into WWE because it's you know it's, they know it. It's WWE. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But my mom, sure. can I just tell you this? My mom uh, takes it re- to this day. She's seventy eight. She fucking hates heels so much. No matter like for real. <laughs> Like, I'm like, like, you know, like, cause I, I have a tendency, I've always preferred heels and they've always been my favorites. They're and I think you guys are probably the same. Um, but yeah, my absolutely. mom takes well, we it like, I can't always wear heels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they, and they, my mom hates heels, you know, like, like when Rhonda turned at, uh, at SummerSlam, my mom was pissed. You know what I mean? Like, no. <laughs> and she like really took it seriously. And, you know, and now she likes Becky Lynch. She didn't until SummerSlam because Becky turned face. And so well, that's-, that's what the good, a good heel, a good villain right? yeah. makes you cheer for the bad. That's why, like, I, I, I don't look, we're, we're not professional writers. I mean, I guess we are professional writers, but we're not Stephen <laughs> King and we're whatever. Right. right. But, the one thing we do know is that when we write, we take a lot more time with the development of the villain than we do with the development of the hero because yeah. Yeah. you got to have – the villain has to be awesome. Otherwise, the hero is weak, Yeah, right? The hero is always going to suffer if, if, if you don't have a good villain. If you don't have a good villain, who cares about what the hero does? Right. It doesn't matter. Right. And here's something that I learned. So what do all great villains have in common? Every single one of them. What's that? They all see themselves as a hero. Mm-hmm. So yeah. in their personality. And in order to really hate a villain, you have to love them like a little bit. There has to be something about yeah. that yeah, 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 yeah. character. Yeah. I use Darth Vader because I think Darth Vader is a classic, you know, classically written villain. Yep. You, Darth Vader is a bad guy, right? But there's yeah. something about him you can't help like. Yeah. You can't help like it. And in the end, when he does his turn, as goofy as that Return of the Jedi film was, yeah. you're cheering in the aisles, man. Yeah. And that's that's how you do it. And you want and you cheer harder for Luke Skywalker, even though he's a pud. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and he is a pud. Um, yeah. but, well, listen, yeah. I, I would take it back to when, when, when you're in independent wrestling, right? And you're, and you travel to, uh, you know, Richmond, Indiana, where nobody knows who in the hell Windy City Wrestling is, right? They don't right. know a single person on the card except maybe Greg Valentine shows up, right? Uh, you know, to smoke weed in his car and you know, yeah. make, you know, 500 bucks and do whatever. Anyway, I, 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 I,
Yeah. My, um, by the way, Chris, my dad's going to love that comment because <laughs> Valentine is one of my dad's favorite wrestlers of all time. Oh, my God. Oh, he's a super well, nice guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He yeah. is. Oh, absolutely. But, but the point is, is that, you know, the heel always comes out first because it's way easier to hate somebody than to cheer for him, right? Mm-hmm. So when he comes out and he tells you your girlfriend ought to go on slim fast and, right. you know, you – uh, where's the trailer park from here that you got over here? Was it discount day? All your, that your, kind of stuff. Yeah, your sports team sucks. That that yeah. right? Exactly. <laughs> Whatever cheap heat you can find, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and if by if by the time you get in the ring, you know Osama bin Laden can come walking out next, and they're going to pop for him, <laughs> you know, because because they dislike you so much. That's the key. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it, it's it, again the villain makes everything. You you have yeah. to have that great antagonist. Yeah. to you know to well, to create you know whatever else is there. So. Listen, and listen, and I, we want to kind of expose that in our movie. Like so, the the Manson brothers as wrestlers are they're heels, right? Yeah. They're bad guys. Right. They're the most hated tag team in wrestling in in our little world that we created. But behind the scenes, they're the two nicest guys you'd ever want to run into, yeah. right? right? And right. that's the way that well, at least when we were in wrestling. That's kind of the way it was. Like the, yeah. the heels yeah. were always the most personable, I, nicest I always have to, guys. My mom gets my tricks. mom gets so angry that sometimes I have to remind her. I'm like, mom, you know, they work together. In, when they go to the back of the locker room, they're going to high five at how well they did out there. That's yeah. it's, it's okay. <laughs> mom, me and trust Larry Glagorovich, okay. <laughs> me and Turbo wrestled each other probably a hundred times before we was before the Manson Brothers gimmick, and we lived together. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> great. Yeah. Well, listen, listen. I you know um I, I want to. The next time I have you on, can we just like exclusively just talk like old school wrestling and stories? Yeah. And stuff like that? Um, yeah, because I do sure. want to talk more about the movie. I want to make sure that people see the movie. Um, and it is the Manson Brothers uh, Midnight Zombie Massacre. But what I wanted to, t- to talk to you guys most about was uh, the movie aspect of stuff that you were influenced by. Movies that you love. Movies that you know, I want to get both of your thoughts on that, and we can jump into wrestling the next time you guys are on shit and go into yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but, yeah, but Chris, let's start with you. You guys, you, you, you know, out of the out of the gate, you're making a zombie movie, and you were talking about how funny it became, and I think zombies that sometimes are inherently funny. Um, I mean, obviously, if you, you look at Shaun of the Dead, you look at Return of the Living Dead, the punk rock zombie movie from the 80s, which is hilarious. Sure. And, I love and that movie. E- and even the Romero films are satires at their core. Like, they're funny. Yeah. Um, uh, but what, yeah. what are some of your... Chris, let's, let's start with you. What are some of your favorite movies in any genre, but maybe starting with horror? What are some of your favorites? Uh, are we including zombie movies in horror? Everything. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, Dawn of the Dead is my is my favorite zombie movie um, yep. of all time, and then I'd probably say the original Halloween. Yep. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a carpenter guy, so I love the fog. Uh, yeah. Well, you're you talking know, to the biggest just, carpenter fan. You're talking to the biggest carpenter fan on earth, Chris. Well, so then I would put myself in that category too. My three favorite movies of all time, in no particular order, are, and they all have one thing in common, are uh, Assault on Precinct 13, the original. Mm-hmm. Um, Escape from New York and From Dust Till Dawn. Those are yeah. those are my three favorites, and 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 I would say arguably probably my three biggest influences on the type of film I'd I'd like to make. Yeah, um, they kind of cross boundaries of you know horror, sci-fi, thriller, whatever. Um, the common thread being that they all have a have a, they have an anti-hero uh, yep. in them, and yep. and someone who's forced into a situation much like the Manson Brothers, right? Where yeah, yeah, where, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you don't have any choice. It's, it's put up or shut up. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and, and therein lies the, you know, t- to me, those are my favorite kind of movies to watch where 
this guy who has no particular desire to be anywhere near this situation uh, has no choice but to right. you know basically become the hero and and, and, and save the day. And that's a common so. thing in Carpenter's movies. I mean, even uh, they live. Yeah. Obviously, speaking of wrestling, yeah. they oh, live is another absolutely. one that's like yeah. that. With John Nada is a character that's yeah. like, what, what am I doing here? Um, right. And all this other stuff. But that's a, that's a that, what, now. What about you, Mike? What are some of your favorites as well? I would I, I would echo Chris with with Halloween. I think that's in in my top five scariest films that still scare me to this day. By the way, did you guys and, get to hang out with PJ at all last weekend? We talked to her. I did. Chris, I think, hung out with her more than I did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice, nice yeah, lady. So was, she's I amazing. was rather excited. She was very sweet. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah, she's a We were excited sweet. to be across from the from the chicks from Night of the Comet. Yeah, how about they that? They were huh? super nice, too. Oh, very yeah, they cool. were yeah, really sweet. So. Catherine Mary cool. Stewart was so nice. And, and, uh, and nice I'm sorry to interrupt, Mike. What are some of your other... You said Halloween, some of your yeah, other... Yeah, horror films. Zombie films, for me, it was Night of the Living Dead. Just scares the shit out of me. Yep. And also, and Dawn of the Dead, of course, that goes hand in hand. And I also like Lucio Fulci's oh, yeah. Zombie, yeah, even though it's not by any means a perfect film, but it, in my opinion, has the scariest zombies in it. When they come, they look like rotting corpses, and the yeah, way they man. move, and it has some of the most genuinely frightening scenes in a zombie movie ever. The movie as a whole is kind of discombobulated. It's yeah, but, it's got a, it's got a zombie. But I'll tell you if you, it's, I got a hidden gem for you though. Okay, if you have not seen the movie The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue, which was made in 1974, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a Spanish German production, that movie's great, and it's yeah. got some scary stuff in it really you, cool you, you go into the uh yeah. you go into that sub that sub genre those the italian fulci man the italian guys they're all in another world like argento yeah. his movies are fucking crazy to yeah. me to, to <laughs> me you gotta understand the culture i think oh to me suspiria is the scariest movie i've ever seen in my life it's, and it's a good it's, one man I, I think it. it's a different i think there's a difference i think the best horror movie ever made is halloween i agree with you guys i think uh, yeah halloween. i i but, think you'd be hard pressed but the scariest movie Suspiria scared the shit out of me. I was 12 years old. I remember seeing it vividly. It was the weekend that Elvis died, which, by the way, yeah. today, uh, the 16th, is the 45th anniversary of Elvis's death. Yeah. Today. Is it really? Yeah. 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 Today, August 16th. Uh-huh. Uh- <laughs> and I remember seeing it, and that movie scared the piss. I saw it at the State Lake Theater in the loop. And it was oh. like, oh man, it was in, you know, Dolby. Old grindhouse. It scared the shit out of me. And, and to this day, but the, the Italian movies are a different thing, man. Fulci makes, no, I mean, there's a goddamn I, I zombie agree. riding a shark. He fights a shark yeah. in zombie, for Christ's sake. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, a whole that's one of those things that Chris and I are going to talk about on our Get show. sharks and in then, your next uh, movie? <laughs> no, not sharks. Hey, hey, what's, what's, what's his face? Did that in Moonraker too, didn't he? Jaws? From yeah, the, Jaws did. Oh, yeah, 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 Richard totally. Richard yeah. Keel, who, by the yeah, way, co- uh, sure, uh, coincidentally yeah. enough, to bring it uh, all the way around, Richard Keel was one of the f- was at the very first flashback. Yeah, I bodyguarded. Oh, no kidding. Oh, you did? I did. Super yeah. nice guy. Yeah, yeah by the he way, couldn't walk. Yeah. Why does that guy need a bodyguard? Because he of couldn't house. walk. He, he, his gait oh, was well, such yeah. that he would just he could fall over if somebody bumped into him. So right. you were basically a caregiver and not a bodyguard. I was Don't basically sound, a human. You know. I was a human cane. <laughs> Basically, yeah. he would put his also, hand on my shoulder and I would walk him. Around. I do want to mention, Mike, as you're as in those days, you were talking about bouncing and bodyguarding and stuff like that. You and I have a uh, have a, a mutual friend that I used to work with at the Jewels years ago. 
Uh, yeah, Robbie Roberto Ramos. Ramos, Robbie Ramos. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was so man. weird because I posted some stuff online, you know, you know, uh, on social media during the weekend, and he posted back said, "Hey, man, say hi to Mike for me." And I was like, "Oh, there you go." So we know Rob and I have torn up many a bar room. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you have, man. I bet a lot you of have. blood between us. That's uh, for yeah. sure. So the Manson Brothers, uh, uh, Midnight Zombie Massacre. Uh, I wanted guys... to mention one more y- film yeah, though please, that, yeah, in, that yeah, influenced yeah, yeah. us. Yeah. So there are actually two films directly influenced. Manson Brothers Midnight Zombie Massacre in the in the storytelling and in the pacing of it. Okay. The first one was from dusk till dawn. Right. Okay. And in that, so if you watch our movie, the first half of the movie has very little, if anything, yep. to do with zombies. Right. It's all revolves around the wrestling business and these characters interacting with these other crazy characters. And we got fought tooth and nail on that by everybody that wanted to produce this film. They wanted to have zombies through the whole thing. And we were like, no. And they're like, why not? And we said, because the brothers and the characters are interesting to watch. There's a lot going on. There's no lack of action or comedy. There's just a lack of zombies. And when the zombies come in, it's a different movie. And that segues into the movie Demons. So yeah. the movie Demons from Lamberto yeah. Bava, yep. written I believe it's written by Argeno and and or produced by Argeno and yep. written and directed by Lamberto Bava, Mario yep. Bava's kid. Yep. That thing, once that thing takes off, yep. you don't get a breath. Like yep. it's it's relentless in its action, where it just never stops. And that's what we were going for. And the funny thing was, last year when we premiered the movie, this guy came up to us. He was a, he's a horror critic and an author, and he said, man, your movie reminded me exactly of Demons. And we yeah. were like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. We like couldn't believe that he pulled that. I he's the only one that's any... ever gotten it. Yeah. I saw Demons. I saw De- Well, I got it. Uh, trust me on that. I, yeah, I you saw... got it, but you're a horror fan. <laughs> well, yeah. who said it? I, I, saw Dom, I, saw, I saw Demons um, at a theater in, uh, uh, oh, God, South, uh, why am I blanking on the, uh, um, um, Tinley Park uh, at the Bremen, the Bremen Town Mall. Oh, the Bremen Town yeah. Mall. We wrestled I, there once. Did you? <laughs> did you? Yeah, well, they were at the, the mall. We, when we saw the movie, when we saw Demons, we went to like a 1030 show at night, and the mall was at that point on its last legs. And so when you go to see Demons in a movie theater that's really shitty, and you walk out and everything is deserted, it, yeah, you know what I mean? Creepy. Like you walk out of just yeah. sitting in a movie watching demons like, okay, because it's about people getting murdered in a movie. A yeah, movie folks, theater. if you haven't seen this movie, <laughs> oh, it's, it's really worth your time. It's, it's really a Absolutely good, classic. well Absolutely done, classic. scary film with yep, cool it's creatures. A the yep. makeups in there are horrifying. It's yep. really good. There's a couple of really hot 80s chicks in there. Absolutely. He's tra- and yeah. and, the, and uh, oh, the big John, One of our Geno's daughters is in it. Yeah. 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 That yeah. awesome pimp the, guy. The, was... Yeah. The, uh, the, yeah. Big, the big African-American guy. He's transformed yeah. into a demon. That guy yeah, is. Yeah, that just... guy's still around, man. He is, man. Yeah. He sure I, is. I would yeah. like to get a hold of that guy. Yeah. He's the best. A demon. Maybe. An instrument of evil. An instrument of evil. Yeah. These dumbasses putting the mask on. What's the matter with you people? And then I was... I was influenced by a lot of Westerns and samurai films. I love Japanese yeah. samurai films. I, I trained in Japan uh, for a little bit. I lived there for a little bit. I have my backgrounds in Japanese martial arts. Right. I love the culture. And I love the samurai films because they're about honor and, and doing the right thing, even at your own cost, yeah. which I think is something that we've lost a lot of in our culture. Mm. And those And so the Western films of... Uh, spaghetti westerns especially but even a lot of the american westerns 
drew from these old samurai films. Yeah, they were like, and okay, even, it's the same kind he, of trope, right? It's even these Star, Wars. Star Wars, Star right, Star Wars. Oh, yeah. he borrowed everything. If you watch the hidden, yeah, you watch <laughs> the hidden fortress from Akira Kurosawa, yep. and the wipes he uses in there. There, you're like, holy shit! Like Lucas yep. wasn't subtle about that. <laughs> you know, there's which only goes to prove that there's nothing really original out there. I know I made a post about led zeppelin the other day because it was led zeppelin day led zeppelin greatest band yeah. ever and some <laughs> guy was i don't know what his deal was but he didn't like led zeppelin yeah they stole from a lot of african-american artists yeah, yeah well everybody stole so did elvis presley yeah so you know so did yeah. the be everybody steals from everybody that's the yeah. way art is they homage something else and they make it their own it's not like sampling is nowadays where they just steal it and right. they put it on there without tinkering with it or changing it or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. So, but that's the way horror, that's the way movies are in general and horror movies too. Like horror movies are very cyclical and you'll see different kinds of horror movies circle back around right now. Right, right. now we're, I think we've come to the end of the zombie craze. And frankly, the only reason we picked zombies wasn't because they were popular. It was because we, do, we knew we wouldn't have to do a lot of makeup effect because right. zombies look relatively human, right? Right. Right. So, and we didn't want to make them. It was also corpses, really so... easy to come up with a reason why there were zombies because of the whole right. TV sure. angle. Yeah. I'd right. like to give a shout out to a couple of my influences, which sure. were uh, Stripes and uh, Malibu's Most Wanted. Uh, <laughs> Malibu's and Dude, Most Wanted. <laughs> Malibu's Most Wanted. All right. Well, the Manson Brothers, Manson Brothers Midnight Zombie Massacre. Uh, it's available everywhere. People can find it online. It's streaming. You can get the DVD. Is there a website that people can go to to check out uh, any other news? Mansonbrothers.com. Uh, we have merchandise available on there. You can hit uh, both Chris and I up on uh, social media. Look at that media. shameless He's... capitalism. First thing yeah, out of his man. mouth. We've got yeah, merchandise. Got and merchandise. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, you can hit. And, uh, <laughs> well, you can talk time... to us personally. You could you could hit him up at at the, at the Chris Margettis on Instagram, and I'm uh, Real Mike Carey. And then you can hit us both up on Facebook. We're not hiding. You can find us. Tell us how shitty our movie is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and out we there. We will contact you back and say thank you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Manson Brothers, it. Midnight Zombie Massacre. It's a terrific movie, incredibly entertaining. Uh, and we'll talk, the next time we talk, we'll get dive into more of your wrestling stories. I know you probably have a million of them. And then uh, do a little preview of uh, Satanic uh, Vampire Deathmatch, which is going to be your next movie. Yeah, we hope. We but... hope, yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, we'll but we do have a show coming up. We do have a web series coming up. On oh, Tobo. please, yeah. Com. Yeah. And that's uh, Stone and Skull uh, in character, uh, pick, not so much reviewing horror movies, but picking out parts of these horror movies that we really love and what makes them endearing to us and maybe some details that we caught that maybe people haven't caught. And if they did catch them, we want to know what they thought about Cool. It and well. it For interest, something, Nick, Nick, something you might like is, is uh, an example would be we would compare and contrast the idea behind uh, John Carpenter's leading men in his movies and how he comes up with oh cool you know which which guy needs to be in which so cool in, well, in and, a and semi humorous what, type of way one yeah, more there's time a big where, bridge where, between Tom Atkins and Kurt Russell <laughs> yes, <there is. laughs> what's and and again one more time uh, for everybody if they want to check that out where can they go to see all those all that stuff it, it'll be well, it'll be a YouTube show but we'll be premiering it on uh, JoeBlow.com. JoeBlow.com. Uh, really, All right. Yes, exactly. Great so. website. Great, great website. Yeah, uh, I, I got absolutely. to. I got. To, I was in a play years ago because I, I did a bunch of theater in Chicago. I directed a shit ton and wrote a bunch of stuff. And I was with, with a company called the Factory Theater here in Chicago, and hmm. we did a play about twenty years ago called Among the Dead. So I got to play a redneck zombie killer. 
Um, ah. And uh, and I, I had a thing called the pole saw, which was a chainsaw on the end of a giant pole. So I got to chop zombies up with that. We had full-on makeup effects on stage. At one point, there were 40 zombies on stage uh, uh, on this. And we were in a house. We were at the, the Chopin Theater in the basement. Really? It like a, it's like a 60-seat house. Sometimes we outnumbered the crowd. Um, wow. But yeah, so, so we, could, we, we couldn't even afford 40 zombies, so I'm glad <laughs> you guys got some. Yeah, <laughs> but luck. it was great. It was, it's, it's fun killing zombies. I just have to say that. Yes, uh, it is. It, it yes, certainly it is. is. No doubt well, listen, it. you guys, um, uh, again, it's just, it's, I'm, I'm so glad that we met and we got to know each other, and we're going to have you on the show many, many times, man. Um, and, uh, you know, last week meeting you guys was, a, was such a pleasure, man, and I'm so excited that, uh, that we're going to be friends and, and hang out. Oh, Ditto, brother. Man. It was great, man. And, and thank you so much for having me. I was listening to your show for years, so I was excited yeah. to meet you. Well, I appreciate that, you guys. Uh, that's uh, Chris Bargettis, uh, Mike Carey. They are known as the uh, the Manson Brothers. Check out the Manson Brothers Zombie uh, Midnight Zombie Massacre. Joe Blow is where they're going to do the YouTube video thing. And check out MansonBrothers.com for all the merchandise that you could ever want. Uh, guys, thanks a lot again. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Uh, thanks, Nick. One more, one, it, man. One, one more time. I think I broke my ass. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wow, wow, wow. There you go. All right. <laughs> so there you go. Thank you, guys. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esma. I'm talking about that Esma. Esmeralda Leon. I don't know what the, why, why I started being opera man there for a second. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the hell happened. Esmeralda. You, the, the spirit got into you. I don't know what happened there. Jesus. Uh, Esmeralda. That's the, the Esmeralda theme song. Esmeralda Leon, the coolest theme song ever from our buddy Jason Skaggs. Hi, Esmeralda. How are you on Hi. this fine day? Great. Cool. Hey, <laughs> how was your weekend? Yeah. Uh, it was all right. Yeah. Do anything special or spectacular? Didn't you go back to the Joliet? Didn't you go to J Town, or am I missing something? No, that I did last not. Week before, what? Did you, uh, your dad's yeah, that was birthday, like three right? weeks ago. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> Two or three weeks ago. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, I see. That's uh, how... when was flashback? Last week. Last weekend. A week ago. Friday. The week before. Last week. What was before that? I don't know. That's probably when you went to J Town. Yeah. It was before yeah. flashback. So <laughs> the week before flashback. So it was the last weekend in July. Is yes. That, okay. There you go. So well, pretty much a month ago. <laughs> by the way, do you know that they're actually doing like a Blues Brothers show at the prison? Like a, they're having a weekend. I blues- heard something about that. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you're, I bet J Town's going to be all crazy. Your parents are going to be partying. They're probably going to go. Sure. Because mm-hmm. you know it's, it's who it, wants it's, to go to a ru- doesn't everyone want to go to a rusty dusty prison? You want know, a rusty dusty prison to watch Jim Belushi sing? That's that's always something. Oh I wait, was... is it? Is it actually? Oh yeah, no, it's Jim Belushi. Oh, and I Dan thought it was Aykroyd. just like some knockoffs. No, it's not the it's not the <laughs> not the Booze Brothers or the Blues Brothers with a Z. It's the actual. It's Dan Aykroyd and Jim Belushi and the band. No. And it's like a Blues Brothers fest. Happening at the prison, I think it's like a two-day Blues Brothers Fest with a whole bunch of different acts 
some blues acts and some gospel acts and stuff like that. Oh, this this weekend. Yeah, it's this weekend. Yeah. So oh it could, my goodness, it, it, it's going to be crazy in J Town. You might want to check it out. It could be Party Villa, Blues Brothers Con. Yeah, it's a convention for the Blues Brothers. Yeah, at the prison. Well, yeah. it's well. Wait. Uh, yeah, at the prison. It's, it's at the prison. Yeah, because the first scene in the movie is in the prison. So, um, okay. They're, jo- they're from Joliet. Joliet, Jake, and Elwood. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I was just hoping that the prison would reopen and they could actually lock up James Belushi for the rest of his fucking life. I mean, yeah, I guess if, we if could. That, we could try. Could we do that? Is it possible <laughs> to just lock that jag off up into a into a cell forever? Because you know what I mean. If he's there, he's gonna be it's there. It's not like the prison. the The cells will be. Yeah, they'll be. You know, it's not like they pulled them out. No, uh, it's all. It's still. I guess it's still. So all, all the stuff. Is we still could intact. technically lock him up. Let's lock his ass up. <laughs> and and by the way, lock up Ackroyd too. Fuck him. <laughs> this is very interesting. I just I didn't know that this was happening at all. They haven't really promoted this as much as they probably should. I mean, especially if a J-Town native doesn't know about it. You'd think you'd be the first one to know. Right? Right? By the way, $60 (laughs) for a two-day pass. But Uh, I guess that includes, goodness. I mean, I guess they've got some, I would hope that they have some decent acts. I mean, if Ackroyd is going to be there. Yeah. Well, I will say they're going to have, it says they're going to have some uh, seasoned blues veterans. Which yeah. is this is nice. Little Led and the the Blues Imperials will be there. Yeah, I here's the thing. I do not doubt that they will have great uh, musicians there because I will say this for Dan Aykroyd: he makes mm-hmm. really terrible movies, and he hasn't done anything <laughs> great until uh, since he was on Saturday Night Live. Everything he's done outside of Saturday Night Live has pretty much sucked ass completely. Yeah. And I mean, the man is responsible for Blues Brothers 2000, which is one of the worst movies. <sighs> ever made and he did that goddamn movie with chevy chase and digital underground uh which was all right uh, that piece of shit he directed no, that nothing nothing but, but trouble? trouble yeah with okay. demi moore and chevy chase <laughs> john candy um and the only good part of that movie was digital underground um so get this yeah so 60 for the two days they have crystal head vip all access because he has that booze right v- vodka that he, he, makes vodka, that he sells yeah. it's vodka in yeah. a in a skull in a skull yeah 500. God. Crystal Head Platinum VIP. Yeah. 5,000. Sure, because you get to hang out with Jim Belushi. I'd pay $5,000 to hang out with Jim. You better. Yeah. For 5,000? Let me tell you something. For two Jim days? Belushi, Jim Belushi would have to fucking pay me five grand to hang out with him. <laughs> you would have to pay me $5,000 oh, no. to spend a, two seconds with Jim Belushi. This just kills yeah. me that yeah. they're i mean what a cash grab man yeah, absolutely yeah. <laughs> he won't let it die he will not let the he will not let the blues brothers die you'd think you know just in memory of, of john that like after john died in 80 82 that they would just let it go you know what i mean like okay yeah i do like that they i like the idea of blues brothers 2000 well the, but the, i don't the, but the movie looks horrendous the movie is horrible except for the music and he got the greatest blues musicians everybody is in it yeah and you know he shot it at his los angeles he shot the last 40 minutes of the movie at house of blues which he owns 
So he basically made a really shitty comedy wrapped around an unbelievable 40-minute concert movie. You know what I mean? Like all the music is yeah. great. The best, the best part of the original Blues Brothers movie is the music, is bringing back Aretha and James Brown and Ray Charles and, and John Lee Hooker. All of that stuff is great. The movie is stupid as hell. But, you know, I mean, I will say this, though, you know, I, I, Dan Aykroyd, I will say this, as much as I can't stand a lot of the stuff he does, he is keeping that music alive and the old school classic blues musicians yeah. and gospel musicians. He's giving them a lot of attention and, you know, and, and making them a draw. I like that. I will say that. I don't understand how it's a convention, though. Uh, there, like, you I can't mean, really call it a con in my mind. It just, it's like a big, long concert. It's a big old festival. But I think they're going to have, like uh, like at a convention, they're going to have, like, maybe local celebrities. And I know that they'll have, like, vendors selling shit. Um, and, like, I'm sure that there'll be vinyl dealers out there. So you can go and you can buy vinyl and cassettes and, you know what I mean, if you're a collector. I guess. And, and then I'm sure there's food trucks and food tents set up all over the place. And then there's probably one yeah, big they're gonna have stage. Yeah, they're going to have food. You know, yeah. There isn't really anything... Oh, here we go. What is there else to do besides listen to great music? <laughs> right. Uh, there will be uh, movie-themed food, beverages, artwork, and, right. of course, music. There you go. So, <laughs> there it is. Oh, I a wonder, Maxwell I, I, Street vendor market. Well, because the best scene in the movie takes place on Maxwell Street. Oh, That's, right, right, right. You know, the best scene in the movie. Uh, yeah, so. huh. I guess. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I hope they have a fucking Dr. Detroit tent set up for everybody because, you know, that'll be long. Remember Dr. <laughs> Detroit, Esmeralda? <laughs> Do you remember that movie? No. Dr. Detroit, uh, one of the many spectacular Dan Aykroyd vehicles. Um, yeah, now take, take a look at it one time. Look, look, look up Dr. Detroit on the internet sometime and, and uh, you know, if you've got 90 minutes of your life to completely flush down the toilet, watch Dr. Detroit. You know what's what's funny too about where the prison is, where the old Joliet prison is. It's kind of like in the middle of nothing. <laughs> yeah, there's not much around it. Well, I guess that's where parking is going to be. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of parking. Yeah, I guess trust me. There's like there's a <laughs> bunch of lots everywhere. And, right. Um, I believe there's a women's prison next to it or across the street. Mm. Okay. That is function. It's a functioning. It's still running. Did you say women's prison? At least I think prison? it is. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I Hi, love Nick's show. Hi, Hi I'm Carrie Russell, I and I love <laughs> Nick's show. Yeah, I, I, all right. Or maybe it's not open anymore. Who knows? Uh, I don't know. I don't go over there. I'll give you asthma. <laughs> That's right. I'll give you asthma. All right. God there's nothing to do it, over there. Yeah, there's nothing to do but go to so prison. So you don't go over there. No, you yeah. know what you do? You, you go there and you hang out with Jim Belushi. That's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> Even if he was just there, like, oh. just hang out here. And if you'd like, come visit me. No, thanks. No. I'm good. I, like I said, you pay me <laughs> five grand to hang out with you, Jim Belushi. Yeah. Jesus Yeah, I'm really Christ. curious how much, what five grand gets you. They don't really say on here. I don't know. I, I really don't know. You know what? If they if I paid five grand, the only reason I would pay five grand is that it would guarantee that Jim Belushi would retire from show business completely. That would be the only. I'd pay five That's, grand for that. You go, you buy your ticket, and you're just yeah. like the caveat. Is he has to quit. The, he has to quit <laughs> now. He has to retire. 
on stage. He goes on stage, says, hi, I'm Jim Belushi. I'm uh, half of the Blues Brothers, and I now am retiring forever. And that, there you go. Yes. I will give you 5000 for that. That's right. I will give you five <laughs> grand to guarantee that I never have to look at that Jagoff's face ever again. So, anyway. Um, oh, it also includes accommodations at the casino because it's a hotel. Well, there's that at least, I guess. Oh, that's right. Oh, okay. All right. It does include accommodation. Right. No, you got to sleep in your car right outside the jail. I was just like, that's dang, that. just to meet them. It's like, that's uh, a lot. Yeah. Drink some vodka with Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> it's only five grand. It's only five. Jeez. Ugh. Ugh, no, thanks. Jesus. All right. Well, there's something to do for you for the weekend, Esmeralda. You got plans yeah, for the weekend? Now tell. you do. Now you do. <laughs> I do. I'm going to drive by and that's it. I'm not paying you. I'm going up to Joliet to <laughs> hang out with Jim Belushi all weekend. That sounds like a... Oof. Jesus. You know what? You know what's good to do around there? If what? you're going to go to Joliet, don't go to this stupid thing. Right. You go to Haunted Trails. Right. Go play some golf. There you go. Some mini golf. Get some mini golf. That's so much better than go to the year-round with... Halloween-themed. Yeah, <laughs> mini putt play. I would rather play. I would rather pay five grand to play mini golf than to than to hang out with Jim Belushi. Right. It would be. Oh. I think five grand would be more well spent if you played miniature golf. <laughs> the, all right. Oh. I met Jim Belushi one time. Yeah. Yeah. How did that go? I'm I'm assuming I'm I'm assuming it didn't go that great considering you're just no, like you it need actually, to stop doing no, what actually, you're doing, it, sir. He was no, he was he was perfectly perfectly fine. He was perfectly fine. He was promoting the movie The Principal, which is a movie that I actually like that he's in. So this was back in the eighties. He was promoting this movie called The Principal. Um, Wait, is that is that the same as those other the ones where it's like the, the guy substitute beats people yeah, up? It's a, yeah, oh, exactly. that's the substitute. Never. That's mind. the substitute, <laughs> which was Tom Berenger and a whole bunch of other dickheads. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. the principal, which came before the substitute, this one was like he. He's, Jim Belushi is a guy who goes into like an inner city school. <laughs> Jim Belushi. Does he beat people up? He does. He like takes baths oh, and wow. stuff. And yeah, and no. It's him and, yeah, and it's him and Lou Gossett. Like Lou Gossett is his like. Security. Okay, well, Lou Gossett, I believe, but not right. Jim Belushi. Well, it's actually, it's actually, a pre- you know, I gotta, I gotta say this. It's actually a pretty good movie. I don't, I, I, mm. I, will, I will back that one. Okay. I don't back a lot of Jim Belushi stuff, but that one, I, <laughs> that one, I, back. <laughs> that one, and yeah, Ugh. yeah, and of course his TV show, which when I first moved in with my ex, Ugh. um, she didn't have cable, mm-hmm. and so I ended up becoming like increasingly obsessed with according to Jim in, you know, cause it was on like, you know, like channel nine and whatever non-cable channels. Yeah. And I became increasingly obsessed with it because it is the worst show in the history of television. And I could not stop watching it. Like I was like, I can't stop. Wow. I was, I was mesmerized by its sheer shit shittiness. I just like, I could oh. not, I can't, like I'd watch it and I'd go, Heather, are you watching this? Can you believe this? I can't turn this off. This is the worst. Can you believe how bad this is getting? Like every episode gets worse. I mean, it's, it is the worst show I've ever seen in my life. And I could not stop watching it because I was hypnotized by its sheer shittiness. (laughs) Uh, That happened to me with, um, what's that show where the guy's a delivery driver? Uh, The, uh, the Kevin uh, James, right? The, um... yeah, yeah. What the f- King of Queens? King yeah, King of Queens. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say all those shows are you know they're they're all sort of similar. It's like yeah. First of all, how did this 
how did this schmuck get a hot wife? That's the first right. thing. Right. You know what I mean? Like how well that goes back to the honeymoon. Exactly. How the hell does how does Ralph get Alice? You know what I mean? Like how yeah. does that that goes that's an old I mean, even to the even a show I love, like um Everybody Loves Raymond. I mean, how you know what I mean? Like Yeah, know. same. Same, yeah, same same idea, same premise. Yeah. Um I was also uh at the time hanging out with a friend of mine who was British. Uh and so he was I think he was fascinated by the <laughs> Oh it's gotta be amazing, right? <laughs> By like just Americans. <laughs> yeah. No, he probably watched that and went, "Is this this is how you is this really the way life is?" And then we go, "No." Um, but this is the shit we watch. Like according to Jim, people watch right. that show. And but King then of also, Queens. yeah, watching like the the comedic sensibilities of yeah, like you think this is funny. You guys actually think according to Jim is a good TV show. Now, oh, King of Queens, King of Queens, King of Queens has has some stuff in it that's funny, like like. Uh, 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 Jerry Stiller is funny. Well, yeah, Jerry Stiller was in it. So, uh, yeah, but, uh, I forgot and, that and, Jim Belushi was also in Mr. Destiny. Yes, that's where he that Mr. <laughs> Destiny, and then he's in Taking Care of Business, where he gets out of prison for three days so he can see the Cubs in the World Series. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. These are oh, these are the vehicles, God. the Jim Belushi vehicles of the late '80s, early '90s, when he was attempting to become a movie star. Um, Goodness gracious! Yeah, but no, but people. I mean, but but I will say this though. I I stayed away from Everybody Loves Raymond because of that, and then I started watching mm-hmm. Everybody Loves Raymond. I only caught on to Everybody Loves Raymond a couple of years ago. That show's great. That and and it's really funny, and the cast is. I mean, great. it won awards and stuff. So. Yeah, but I but but you know, like I stayed away from it because it like it was it fit into all of that kind of shit sitcom stuff that I never watched. But I started watching it, and I love that show. I think everybody on that show is hilarious. Oh, by the way, I probably should have asked you this off off air. <laughs> did um, Mr. Dan Feinberg give? Uh, did you ask him about a, a the three, three camera yeah. show? Yeah, That's he good. says that there. He yeah, is he it going to be? <laughs> is it going to be the Raymond show? What's it called? No, he named uh, everybody loves Raymond was one that came up. Um, he okay. named some other, he named some other ones too. Um, that because we talked about okay. basically how I'll have to listen the, the three camera studio audience. Yeah, it's in, it's in the last episode that he was on two 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 episodes ago. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we we did we talked about that and Canadian television. So both of those topics that we that we mentioned <laughs> that you and I mentioned the three camera live in front of a studio audience sitcom and uh, the Canadian shows those were all discussed by the great Dan Feinberg on the last But so he did have some he, he some named suggestions. some yes. he did name okay. some that were okay. that were good yeah so oh, okay anyway. right. <laughs> well i'll see you at the at the prison this weekend then uh, Esmeralda. we'll yeah i can't wait we waiting in line for our jim belushi tattoos with in a giant and my giant uh, skull vodka skull vodka bo- bottle of vodka yeah <laughs> god almighty um all right anyway yeah <laughs> so that's what's happening in j-town this weekend if you're all it's it's jim belushi weekend that's what they're calling it jim belushi weekend in j-town i guess you could say there are um at least for my parents they're going to be neighbors oh you see what you're for doing a weekend <laughs> this is why you this is this is why speaking you, of you neighbors oh, yeah. give you <laughs> that's right um. Yeah. Well, we've got an article here about uh, crazy neighbor stories. I'm that, sure Jim Belushi and Dan Aykroyd would be well, crazy neighbors. Well, well, now hold on a second. If you really want to <laughs> tie this baby together, 
Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi their last movie together. You know what it was called? What? Neighbors. What? Oh. You see how that works? Woo! Yes. That worked out really well. The last movie that John Belushi and uh, Dan Aykroyd made was a disastrous movie called Neighbors. <laughs> um, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> yeah, well, there was a lot of uh, cocaine and drugs and mm, stuff on the set. Yeah, and, uh, right. They switched roles on the director because John Belushi <laughs> wanted to play the straight man and Dan Aykroyd wanted to play the wild man because normally it was the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's a fascinating movie to watch. Uh, and Especially a, when we know what happened after. Yeah, I mean, even when I was when I was a high schooler and I worshipped both of those guys, you know, from Saturday Night Live, I went to see it and I was like, oh boy. Even I didn't like it. <laughs> so, oh yeah, uh, but yeah, that was their last movie together. Oddly enough, it was called Neighbors. See how it all comes mm. together. So. Uh, Okay, we've lived in, uh, you know, ap- apartments here and there, Esmeralda, during mm-hmm. the years. Uh, yes. Ha- and all of those times, have you ever had crazy neighbors? Because I have some, right? I don't know if they're crazy, but they're certainly loud. And I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I'm sitting in my dining room right now, and I'm looking out my back windows. And the porch that I'm looking out on right now uh, is the back porch of a, a, a very loud group of people that live in an apartment on the second floor across from me. And mm-hmm. they tend to, in the middle of the night, run up and down the back stairs to the third floor apartment across the way where they know the people. And drinking and music and booze and thumping and doof, 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 that kind of shit goes on till all hours of the night um, on any night of the week, not just Fridays and Saturdays. Yikes. So they're loud neighbors, but they're not. I don't know if they're crazy. They could be. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't know. But have you ever had any like certifiably crazy, weird ass neighbors? Uh, so I had, so they never bothered me in the apartment, uh, these neighbors. It was, uh, what I was just like, these people are insane. Uh, I, so the front door was not closing all the way. You just had to make sure to to close it to the, to the the building, the lobby thing or whatever. Yeah. So if you just let the door go, it wouldn't close all the way. Right. And I, many a time would come home. And it would be open. It would be ajar. Yep. Uh, so I just put a sign that said, please oh, no. make sure that the door is closed all the way. Sure. Of course. That makes sense. Just said, that's it. Just please make sure the door is closed all the way. Put it on the door. Uh, one day I hear the, what because there's only, there was only um, three apartments in this building. So you were uh, one of three units in the building? Yes, one of okay. three. Okay. Or four. No, wait. Two, four. Yeah, we were four. Four. Got to be four, because you're not going to have three. <laughs> right, because there was one, and then there was a cross, and then upstairs right. there right. was one one across. Right. Um. So it was four. Okay. Anyway, so I have the note, and I hear some, like, noises in front of my door. Just, like, shuffling kind of just noises, like... Mm. Like just stuff. You just hear stuff. Okay. And I go over and I open the door and the neighbor is standing there angry. And she's like, why did you put this on the door? I'm not doing this. And I'm just like, what? I'm just saying the door is staying. Like someone keeps leaving the door open. Like when you just make sure to close it. She's like, well, I didn't do that. And I'm just like, did I put your name on there? (laughs) That says, hey, you 
so and so. Yeah. I literally just put please make sure the door is closed all the way sure, when you leave. Of course. Or whatever. Yeah. She took the thing and she ripped it up and, and she like threw it at my door. So Or I think she wrote on it, like, I'm not doing this. Like, I didn't do that. Why are you? I'm just like, you are insane. So okay. I was just like, this is for the whole building. Was this your first exchange with this woman? Um, This was my, I'd never talked to them before because I'd never really seen them. Yeah. Um, But we did have a fire next door. Jesus. In the building next door, and, the, and they had to oh, evacuate. Oh, I remember that. Yes, I remember. Yeah, they that. had to yeah. evacuate all of us. So that yeah. was like the only time I'd ever met them, and she didn't seem too smart. Uh-huh. She was. Um, so next door was um, a little mart, and then next door to that was uh, this amazing Colombian chicken place. They do yep. rotisserie chicken. Yep. She was like, "I bet you it was them that started the fire," and I was oh. like, "No, it came from the mart." that's next to our building she's like well they should be shut down i'm just like what are you even talking about (laughs) like just like insane like just the dumbest ideas just shooting out of her mouth you are you are so confirming my rule that i've had forever is that i don't fucking talk to my neighbors yeah, I no, don't. I never I don't, talk to them. I walk in and I, <laughs> if I see him in the hallway, maybe a nod. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I don't like talk to him. I don't converse. Hey, how you doing? I don't like, you know, um, uh, you know, I very rarely do laundry here because there's a coin op not very far. You know what I mean? That I can do it. Yeah. At. And I and I opt there. So I don't see anybody in the laundry room. I don't you know what I mean? If I'm throwing the garbage out and I see somebody on the porch, I'll just maybe look at him and that's it. I don't say a word. I don't have I don't know who my neighbors are. I don't talk to them. I don't socialize nothing. And and that to me, the, that story that you just told completely confirms that all of my behavior towards my neighbors over the years has been the correct behavior. Yeah. Same. <laughs> and it cracked me up that I told the so the they and it's a it was a private building, privately owned, and they had a guy who would like come fix stuff and I I told him, I'm like, hey, can you fix the door so it'll close? Right. Um, when you, when, like, if you just let it go. And he's like, well, if I do that, it's gonna, I forget what he said. Like, it's not gonna, it's gonna hit people or something because it'll be like too fast on the coil or something. I'm not well, quite sure what he said, yeah. but he just said, put a note that says to make sure it's closed. So it was his idea. It was, it was, and I was like, bruh, I did do that. Yeah. And their neighbors are morons. So it was like Johnny, the, Johnny the super came up with that idea. Like, hey, yeah, I was yeah. like, hey, they they apparently think it's literally them. Which then I'm like, then you are leaving the door open, right? I mean, hey, Stupid. guilty by association, man. I mean, if they're like, hey, I didn't do it, you did. Clearly, you did. God, such idiots. I'm just like, I, there are three other people in this, like two yeah. other build people. Yeah, that yeah. it could be. I, <laughs> Why um, do you think I'm? I'm it was just so weird. <laughs> I, I, uh, we had a door issue um, where the lock, like uh, the handle, broke off, so we you couldn't you like you uh, you couldn't uh, get out. Mm-hmm. Like the handle on the inside, you could not get out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had to like I had to ring a bell to buzz, you know, to buzz me to to buzz so the door would open. And then mm-hmm. I put I put you know, and then I called my landlord. I'm like, you got you got to come out and fix this. The handle broke, and we can't. The, the door you will not be able to get out without ringing someone's doorbell on the inside and right. so he's like okay um and i said all right i'm just gonna put duct tape over the over the the 
the door so that it doesn't so that it, when it closes it doesn't lock. I'm going to put duct tape mm-hmm. over the the metal thing that you know what do you call that the 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 thing that comes out uh, and locks the, you know the, the mechanism bolt? whatever the fuck it is the bolt the yeah, mechanism mechanism whatever. right so I, I, mechanism. I, I so I put duct tape on it so that it would not lock so that we could get out of the building you know mm-hmm. uh, like you literally could not get out and so <laughs> um so. So it took like a day and a half to fix. And in between that, somebody took the tape down, like would rip the tape down and then couldn't get out. We couldn't get out again. So I had to put a note up saying, please do not tear the tape down. And someone wrote on the on the note, fuck you. Somebody just wrote fuck you on the note. (laughs) I'm just like, okay, well, then get stuck in the apartment, I guess. When you try to leave the apartment, (laughs) because, you know, I mean, I guess you could go out if you want to go out your back door and then walk all the way around the courtyard, all the way around the back to the front. That's fine. That's an extra, you know, like a five and a half minute walk, you know? So, but somebody wrote (laughs) fuck you on there. And and so, but yeah, Yeah. these are neighbors. These are the kind of neighbors. This is is what I'm talking about. I had a guy, when I lived in uh, Andersonville, I lived in an apartment building in Andersonville for about 13 years, the same apartment. Mm -hmm. And so I had neighbors. I mean, it's a long time to live in an apartment. Like here, I've lived here in the apartment that I'm in now. I've lived here 11 years. And the turnover rate for the other apartments is pretty big. You know what I mean? Like I've lived here. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of people come and go. Okay. Um, so and, and, and so one, you know, when we first moved in, when my ex-wife and I first moved in, um, my first ex-wife and I first moved in, uh, the people next door to us that we shared a wall, you know, the people right next door to us. They were this mm. insane couple. And this is, they were living there when we first moved in. So this is back, like back in 1995, we first moved in. And so we move in. And uh, so the, the guy uh, would sit in the car. There was a car. They had a, like a shitty like, uh, Buick in front of the car, in front of the house, part of the apartment building, with a mm-hmm. gigantic antenna, like a giant, like should be on the <laughs> roof of the Hancock building antenna. <laughs> And he would be in his car drinking and talking on a CB, going, oh, breaker one nine, breaker one nine, <laughs> with, this, with the huge antenna. Oh, my God. And it was so bad. Like, he'd be out there going, breaker one nine. And you could hear him in his car with the antenna sitting in front of the apartment just talking on the CB. Yeah, what's going on, big boy? <laughs> like, out there till, like, two or three in the morning, like, drinking and, you know. Oh, no. And till with the giant antenna. And it got to the point where I'm not making this up. It would interfere with our TV. Like, we'd be watching TV, and all of a sudden, you know, like, uh, snow would come on the TV, and you'd hear, broker one nine on our TV. Oh, no. So, so you would hear him yes. through the TV? Yes. Oh, it was so bad. This Jagoff had this giant antenna. Sitting in his car, you know, like 40 feet in front of us, in, in, and, the, and we would get the frequency on the TV would pick it up. And so this guy was out there all the time. He was out there till like 2 o'clock in the morning getting drunk, and then he'd come home, and their door was right next to ours, and he'd mm-hmm. bang on the door, and she'd be like, you're not coming in here, asshole! And they're like screaming through the door, and so sometimes, you know, you'd walk out, he'd be sleeping in front of the door, and his feet would be at our door, because our doors were right next to each other. So he'd uh-huh. be passed out, you know, oh, you know, you know, like passed out after a night of talking with his buddies on a CB, interrupting our cable. <laughs> and the wife wouldn't let him in. Like, you can't come in here, asshole, like screaming. So this would go on. And they fought all the time. Like if he if he actually wasn't in his car, you know, going, I break her one night, doing that shit. 
Mm-hmm. He was. They were throwing shit, and you could hear it. And so, you know, like, and Wendy and I would like put our ears up against the wall and completely eavesdrop because it was hilarious. And they'd be throwing <laughs> stuff around. They'd be breaking shit and all that stuff. And so we, the landlord lived. Luckily, the landlord lived underneath them. He lived downstairs. Oh no! And he would come up and go, "You guys need to stop this right now." And they eventually got kicked yeah. out. But my favorite story of all time was, so this Jagoff is out there. Sometimes, like, she she wouldn't let him in. Like, again, this was another apartment building, like almost all apartments, where you have to be buzzed in. Mm-hmm. And he would be drunk and forget his keys, and he'd sleep on the front stoop. So you'd come out, this guy would be laying on the front <laughs> stoop, drunk, out of his mind, empty, like, beer bottles all over the place, his car, you know, you know with the CB and everything. He'd be sleeping on the stoop outside. And so one night, uh, they have a they have a row and they're screaming and they're busting shit. And this is what I and we we would always try to listen, but this is what I what I heard. I couldn't hear everything clearly, but you you know you know how when you mm. when you listen you can hear you can hear like muffled screaming. Yeah, but you yeah. can't you can't make out the words, right? Mm-hmm. So there was like something broke and then you know i mean it sounds like charlie brown's teacher you know right so so they're and then all of a sudden i hear her say and this is clear as day and i and i could never understand i could what possibly prompted her to say this but esmeralda she says this and i just i and for the life of me and you think about this what is the sentence that preceded this that the husband said? Because she said mm-hmm. this. Now, you have to understand, as I said, these are white trash, drunk, CB jagoffs. okay? <laughs> yes. All right. So, boom. And then I can hear her say, resume? I don't need no goddamn resume. <laughs> no, what? <laughs> So, oh my God, Wendy! And I love I, that he suggested that's what that I'm she saying. needed a what, resume for something. What prompted that? You know what I mean? Like how? So these two people, these white trash drunk jagoffs. He's like, I'm just trying to help you get a job. <laughs> exactly. I was talking to my buddy on the CB, and he said, uh, "Get a resume or something like." You know, maybe that was what it was. But like when you and need I, to get a resume, and then she put like wow. resume. I don't need no goddamn <laughs> resume. And Wendy and I, my ex-wife and I, busted out laughing. Like we was, that was the greatest thing of all time. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the uh, the 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 drunk CB guy and his drunk ass white trash wife who should get a resume. Those were, I think, my favorite crazy neighbors. So that's, a, I mean, that's a great, <laughs> oh, it's the best. Here's another one. You ready that's for another one? Fantastic. Same apartment. Yes. Same apartment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, this is a, about a year after I moved in a year after we moved in and we start our, our, our ceiling in the dining room seems to be damp and there's a little bit of water like dripping mm-hmm. and this is the dining room. So it's not like the kitchen or the bathroom where there are toilets and water running and sink. You know what I mean? This is like the middle of the dining room. And the apartments were pretty much set up the same. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you if you live on the second floor, above you on the third floor, that's where the bathroom is. And below you is the bathroom. You know? They're all set up pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, some, so I tell my landlord, again, he lives downstairs. So I go downstairs and I'm like, come up and look at my ceiling. And he goes up and he looks. And he's like, what the f- 
you know, and I'm like, yeah, for some reason there's water. And he's like, well, maybe one of the pipes is leaking through the ceiling. And it, I don't know what, this is very strange. So he goes upstairs and he knocks on the door. And these were weirdo people who had moved in and nobody saw them. You know what I mean? They were like, do you know, uh, like somebody who would just like maybe open the door and look out and you just see their eye and then they close the door right away. It was, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like in, in Barefoot in the Park, they've got the, the, the neighbor from downstairs who's just got empty tuna cans outside his door. You never see the person, <laughs> but there's empty tuna cans outside. So it's that kind of thing. And they lived <laughs> okay. above us. And yeah. so my, I tell my landlord, I'm like, there's water. So he comes up and he looks in my apartment. He's like, wow, that's weird. I'll go up there and check it out. And he bangs on the door and they're like, oh, you can't come in. And he's like, well, no, I can because I own the <laughs> fucking building. And so they're like, oh, no, you, don't need, you can't come in. And he's like, open the door now or I will kick this door in. Because yeah, they had the chain on the door. Yeah. And so oh uh, finally, and these are people, again, these are people, they were paying their rent. Mm-hmm. They just were not seen. They would, you know, they never, they were never seen coming in and out of the building or anything. So yeah. suddenly my ceiling is wet and it's dripping a little bit. So here's what happens. He goes up there and he, they finally open the door. He forces his way in and their dining room, in their dining room, which is again, an old apartment with hardwood floors and stuff. Yeah. They had sod and dirt down, and they were growing shit, marijuana and vegetables, on the floor in their dining room. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So no. I'm not kidding. So he, he's like, what the what? fuck? He, he walks in, and the, the entire dining room is, is enti- it's like a garden. And there were vegetables and dirt and stuff and marijuana. And they had, like, heat lamps. They had giant heat lamps over it. And so he so he comes back downstairs. He's like, Nick, come up here. I'm like, what? He goes, just come up here and fucking look at this. And he's my my landlord's like, Nick, please. I'll, I'll show you what the problem is. So I walk upstairs. I look. And right in the middle, there's a giant sod-filled, dirt-filled garden in their dining room. And, and that was what was under it. Nothing under it, and that was what was seeping through my ceiling. Why wouldn't they put them in pots? I, I don't I don't know. So clearly he kicked them out and then hired a crew to come in and clean up the entire apartment. I mean, but yeah. But yeah. So but they had a fucking, you... they had dirt and a, it was unbelievable. unbelievable. <laughs> how is that a good idea? It's not clearly. But the, but the you best part was like, uh, you can't pockets. come in. Uh, you can't. I'm sorry. You can't come in. <laughs> I just saw that. No. No, no you no. can't come in. Like, what? No. what I, you, you know, I'm your fucking landlord. Do you know that? Uh <laughs> So yeah, that was Can another help one you? that happened. No, <laughs> you cannot. Oh, I'm sorry, you can't. You can't come in. Uh, when the when the when the tomatoes are ripe, maybe. Uh, but... <laughs> I just—it's real. Why? I'm not kidding. I saw it. Like he literally came down. He's like, "Hang on a second. He said he said to the to the to the weirdo gardeners upstairs, "Hang on a second. He comes downstairs. And he goes, "Nick, come up here for a second. Come up here and look." He brings me upstairs. I walk in. I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> How is I just can't even like why would they not think to put them in know. anything? And they had the heat lamps on, like these giant lamps were on. Right. On the, I mean I'm I like, get that. I understand that. But oh why God. is it just on the ground? Dirt on the hardwood floor. Ruined they had to tear up the whole floor. They had to tear right? up the whole I mean, yeah. I mean unbelievable. And Why I'm just wouldn't like, they get buckets or like know. you know like those long? And I started um, to notice. I remember walking into the dining those room. Plant and, things. The planters, <laughs> the long like yeah, like right. the, 
Like the window things that you would. There's put, yeah. so many ideas. So so I remember when that are better than just in, putting it on the ground. And we looked up and we saw that the ceiling started to get a little discolored. Mm-hmm. And we're like, that's weird. And we didn't really think anything of it, you know, until it was discolored and then clearly damp until like little drips of water. And then I was like, well, I got to tell. My landlord's name, by the way, was Doc. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> hey, Doc. Uh, uh, Doc. He was, and I used to, I used to get drunk with him at Simon's. He was, he was a regular at Simon's, <laughs> which just explains why I lived there for so long. He's like, "Yeah, you're late on the rent. Oh, don't worry about it. Let's go to Simon's." You know, it was that. <laughs> um. So yeah. So that those were two two neighbors that I had. Uh, wow. There. Yeah. Wow. And that was just in that I building. Just... <sighs> that I. I just don't under. Oh, I would love like, to talk like to seriously, those people. Like seriously, Esmeralda, that's the last thing that you would expect. Like, okay, there's clearly a pipe <laughs> is screwed up. Something happened weird, and the water. I, you know what up- I was when you were essentially leading up to it. I was expecting a pool. Y- yeah. Yeah. I was thinking maybe they're maybe they had like, a pool, maybe they had a leaked waterbed, something. Right, I was lines. thinking Not, they brought in like a baby pool no, or no. what are those pools? Like no. they make pretty big ones yeah, now. They do, and they just were like, you know, it's a great idea. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> inappropriate. That's inappropriate and stupid. Anyway, but this was a full-on yeah. watered garden, like in the middle with dirt in the middle of the dining room. <laughs> Did it look nice? It it looked. I was like, "What the?" Well, I mean, it looked was it like blooming. A t- it was. I mean, seriously, it was like the. And I walked in. I'm like, "What the?" Fu-? I thought I was in like a. It was like you know what it was like. It was like the Citadel in Fury Road. You know that the, that, the, that, the, that, the, that it was like Immortem Joe's. It was it was Joe's like Citadel Garden in Fury Road. That's what it looked. That's what it looked like. Oh my god! That's just. Hey, uh, Doc, hey, Doc, I think you got to do something about these guys. Yeah, I'll take care of it, Nick. Don't worry about it. Let's go to Simon's. That is just so good. I, yeah, I would love to have talked to those people. Yeah. Just curious. Well, like, what, well, how did this happen? You know. We, we totally, I'm totally, we totally blew through this. Well, we've got a whole article here of stories. And, and. Well, we, your stories are, I feel like, even better than the stories. I, <laughs> I still have a couple oh more. I still have a couple God. more. Oh, wow. And a couple that were here in, in this apartment building. I have a couple here from this apartment building, but we'll get into that. But now, since we've set this whole thing up, mm-hmm. you've got the, uh, the woman who's insane throwing the note at you. Um, yeah. Who thought that the, that the Colombian chicken place set the fire on purpose. You got that <laughs> idiot. I've got Ugh. I've got Garden Jag off upstairs and uh, and C and CB resume couple the rig- goddamn resume wow. I got them. So wow. what about you? Seven seven three four one seven six nine four eight. Leave your voicemails and we will share them on the next uh, on the next episode on Friday's episode. So if yes. you've got a, if you've got voicemail it or email us with your crazy neighbor stories. Nick D podcast at gmail Seven seven three four one seven six nine four eight with all of your crazy stories, and we'll get into this article uh, the next time uh, that we uh, absolutely. That, that we yeah, I have to. I haven't. Aside from that lady, I haven't really had any. Okay. Bad right. neighbor well, thing. Okay, we'll find goodness. out. Get you know what? Uh, uh, do a little poll. Ask Colin. You know, before he moved in with Y'all you, you'll have to see if Colin has any. I bet he's got some. He lived in apartments. Yeah, so we'll get um, that. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Hold on a second. I think my dad. Oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. Hi, Carrie. Oh, hi, Carrie. I love the show. She's, she's kind of a crazy neighbor. She lives on my back porch. 
So, all right. Uh, hold on a second. Here we go. It's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. That's right. My dad uh, enjoys telling jokes. And he does it regularly, and he does it uh, all the time. Dad, are you ready for a joke? Oh, he is. Here we go. I forgot where I threw my boomerang. Oh, it's coming back to me now. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. That's right. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. All right, Carrie. I I love Nick's show. All right. I like well, too the little acting he did. He did, right? Right. You could yeah, picture. He's like, oh, you, oh, yeah. Here it comes. You could picture the boomerang <laughs> coming back to my dad. Yeah, that's Emmy. That's oh, Emmy award winning acting right there. Yeah, right. so many levels. Uh, so many. Uh, hey, you want to be ad- uh, advertised on on, on our uh, podcast? Be a sponsor. Contact us. Sales at radiomisfits.com. Uh, anything you want to leave on the voicemail, the emails seven seven three four one seven six nine four eight Nick D podcast at gmail.com. Again, crazy neighbor stories as well. My thanks to Jason Skaggs, Ed, and everybody at Radio Misfits. Please take the time to rate and review us on every platform. We'll be back again on Friday. More crazy uh, uh, neighbor stories with Esmeralda and Eric and Steve for our uh, movie reviews. We've got lots of new movies to talk about, including uh, Stringer Bell punching a lion in the face. That's uh, Oh. Can't wait to hear about that. That's right. All right. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And my thanks to the Manson brothers. What a riotous and fun time that was. They were they were great. And we'll see you, uh, we'll see you all again next time on the uh, Nick D Podcast right here on Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The wind is right on-